listening to Miscarriage Stories with Arden Cartrett. Lean, thank you so much for joining me all the way from Sweden to share your story of loss, but I know that there's so much in your experience that you, you know, feel called to share and that you, um, you want others to know. And so I would really love if we could start with the first time that you found out that you were pregnant. Yeah, so the first time I found out I was pregnant was in October of 2018. And actually, that was a successful pregnancy. And I gave birth to my son in June of 2019. And it was a lovely pregnancy. Um, Of course, I had all the cramps and stuff, but I liked being pregnant. And... um, I had a wonderful delivery, uh, vaginal delivery, and with no medication that wasn't planned, but it went fast. And it was the coolest thing I have done. And this is part of why my story is hard too, because I long for that experience again. Um, So the second time I found out I was pregnant was in... June of 2021 and it was very much planned because we had postponed trying uh, due to COVID and I wanted to be vaccinated first. I was really anxious um, during COVID. So we tried and I got pregnant right away and uh, then I miscarried a few days after I tested positive and that was on a big holiday here in Sweden. So we weren't at home and I just shoved it all down and carried on and uh, it was rather early but when I went to wipe I saw the sack um, and I understood right away that I had a miscarriage and um, yeah that was the second time I was pregnant and I had a friend who had had three miscarriages so I talked to her a lot and she was really supportive and I was so sure that because I knew someone that had three miscarriages and the percentage of having recurrent miscarriage is so low that I would absolutely have a successful next pregnancy I was so so certain of it and I got pregnant again right away Um, and I had quite a lot of symptoms. I had nausea, I had sore breasts, tiredness. This was during the summer and I was really happy to be pregnant again so fast. And I told some friends uh, pretty early and then I told my family in about week 12, uh, just a few days before my first scan. And then we went in for the scan and I remember this so strongly. Uh, we were joking in the elevator on the way up and we were so happy about it, me and my husband. And we went in for the ultrasound and and in Sweden, it's a midwife doing the ultrasounds. So it's not, it's not what you call it, ultrasound tech. It's 
it's a midwife. Um, so she did the ultrasound and she started it and we saw the baby on the screen and uh, she was quiet. And I think I realized, but I didn't want to realize that it was gone. So I pressed, pressed her and asked her and said, like, it's a baby there. Uh, can you can you tell me some, something? And she was like, yeah, it's a baby, but it doesn't look like uh, I would want it to look in this week. Um, so, and then this image that I had in front of me, uh, it's been stuck to my mind. It's, pop, it's been popping up uh, ever since. And what I remember really vividly about it was that the baby was so small that it looked too small to to be in in comparison to the uterus and I have started to my belly have start, had started to pop already and I was showing pregnant uh, and this was very different from my first pregnancy because then I was it was unrecognizable until week 20 so I showed much earlier and uh, yeah and the baby was was dead and um, this uh, miscarriage, my second one, was really traumatic, and we were both in shock. I think I, I just, it was like this noise in my head, and I, I, I can't remember what the midwife looked like, what her name was. I can't remember anything she said apart from, "It's a baby there, but it doesn't look like I want it to to be in this week." So, I got to wait in another appointment room uh, to do a, a vaginal ultrasound uh, with a doctor and there was a male doctor coming in and I usually need to prepare to have a male doctor both uh, like in in other circumstances as well but especially if they're going to do do some something inside of me so I panicked a bit and said I, I can't do it I can't do it with a man I, it has to be a woman so they had to go and find a female doctor and they did and both of them were were really nice about it uh, and he the man was really like I, I totally understand this is absolutely fine uh, we will we will find a doctor it might take a bit of time but we have we have we have female doctors uh, working so they might not be available right now. So the female doctor came and she, we didn't look at the screen screen this time. She turned it away uh, and she asked if I wanted to see it again. And uh, uh, I don't think I did. I can't really remember. Um, so we were talking with them for, for a while, both doctors, and they were actually giving me a good, like, um, yeah, they 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 were nice and they said good things. I didn't feel triggered by what they said, um, and they also recognized that I had a son from previous, and they didn't say anything be be lucky or anything like that. But one of them said, uh, "Go home and and hug on your son and let this sink in." So, but. Uh, then I was due to see the nurses instead to decide on what, not decide because in Sweden there's not 
a decision between a DNC or Cytotech. It's uh, like a stair. You 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 do the Cytotech first, and if it doesn't work, then you do a DNC. So I got to see the nurses, and then I get to got to choose if I wanted to do it at home or at the hospital. But it was quite obvious that it wasn't really a choice. It was at home because they laid it out as if you want to do it here, you will have to wait at least two weeks. And uh, it was, yeah, I, I got the impression that I am supposed to do this at home. That is what they're expecting of me. And I like to be a good girl. So <laughs> I just accepted that. And I also had this feeling that I just wanted to get it out. I wanted to get the baby out. Um, I had trouble with coping with that I had carried the baby for about two weeks uh, when it was when it was actually dead. So I got the um, medication with me right away, uh, same day, and they said I could do it as soon as I liked, but that we should have child care, someone minding our son. Uh, and we actually waited one day. So I we had one day in between and then I did it. This was on a Friday and on the Sunday I did, I did the Cytotech. And in Sweden, you get like this medical regime with painkillers as well. So you get one pill of like stronger <laughs> medication and then you're on like the prescription free uh, stuff. But I couldn't take one of them because you're supposed to take two prescription free together um so but I can't take one of them because it's messes with my stomach so I got actually got two of these stronger painkillers but they didn't really tell me when I was supposed to move on to the stronger ones so I started in the morning uh, with the first round of Cytotec and regular painkillers and uh, I was okay um my mom got to us at about 12 to be with our son. He was two at the time. And I got the second round. I think I got the second round of Cytotech at 12. And then I was supposed to do one more at three. And maybe about an hour after she arrived, I started to be in pain. And I, of course, didn't take the stronger painkillers because I thought that I needed to save them for later in case it got worse. Um, but after a while I had to take one because the pain was getting so much stronger and I just, my mom was with her son and they were playing in his room and I just said to my husband, you have to tell her to take him out because he can't be in here because now it's, it's starting to hurt so much. I don't know if we should go in because the pain was excruciating. It was way more pain than I was in uh in labor uh so it was so much more pain and it i didn't know what to do i didn't know how to stand or lie or um yeah so i had like this uh, heat cushion and uh yeah so i was lying in bed and then i heard this it was like this pop and it was the same pop that i heard when my first uh, uh, delivery started uh, right before the water broke uh, so it was the same pop and right after that pop all the pain just vanished uh, and then I had this like pressure so I went to the toilet and uh, 
I think that a lot of it came out right away. And then I moved back and forth from, from the couch uh, to, to the bathroom um, and paused a lot of it. So, and I, I think this is, this was one of the hardest things that I have been working in through uh, with the psychologist uh, that I actually flushed my baby down the toilet and I as I remember it the nurse who gave me the instructions told me to just close your eyes and flush and I wish she would have told me that you might want to close your eyes and flush or you might want to collect the tissues you might want to to actually keep the baby and uh, hold it and bury it so I really wish I would have gotten more support in that area uh, on how to to deal with the sorrow because I got really good help with the medical part um, oh not really because I, I did I didn't know when to take the painkiller but yeah I was I was pleased with that but in hindsight, I can see that I, I had would have needed so much more information on how the sorrow would hit me. And I wish they wouldn't have given me the pills right away. I wish they would have made an appointment the next week and told me to just go home and take it in uh, first. Because it was like this shock of, of the pregnancy having stopped. And then on top of that, the, the, the shock of the physical impact of the cytotech and all the blood. And I was prepared for a lot of blood, um, but I wasn't prepared for the pain and I wasn't prepared for the tissue passing. Um, and the baby had stopped developing in week eight plus six. So it was quite large. Um, but I don't know exactly when I passed the baby, but I wish so much now that I would have known. So, uh, and I was home from work for five days, uh, sick, sick leave for five days. And uh, I was in shock. I, I couldn't take it in. I couldn't take in what had happened. And I went from feeling like when you're in a dream and you, need to scream but you can't scream because you're sleeping and you wake up with this like I can't scream and that was the feeling I I had uh, apart from just being totally blank and feeling nothing um, so I I was home for for five days and then I felt like I I can't go back to work I work as a dietitian so I have patient contact and yeah, I, I realized I, I can't do that. I can't help someone else when I'm in this state. So I actually got um, sick leave for two more weeks. Um, the doctors wrote, and yeah, you, you have this uh, support system in Sweden where you can get sick leave for longer uh, for for several several reasons so I had that and I couldn't think about the ultrasound I couldn't think about what had happened and I I couldn't work through it and this has been 
following me since that miscarriage uh, until about this spring. And I I have absolutely not been able to talk about this earlier. So, and especially about the part about that I flashed my baby down. Um, but I have been working with this EMDR therapy with a psychologist and it's been extremely efficient and helpful. So if anyone is thinking that maybe I should get therapy, I really recommend it because it's really changed how I'm coping every day now and it's giving me a lot of energy back um, to have worked through this properly. Um, so, and also in this EMDR therapy, you can like go back to the original happening and my psychologist have guided me so that I could have, and she asked like, what would you have done if you could do it again? What you, would you have said to yourself? And it's been a really healing experience because it feels like for a long time, I felt like I needed that baby's body back to bury it or to do something with it to honor and to honor it. Uh, but now it feels like I have worked through it and, and that this therapy has given me the goodbye that I needed. Um, I really, I love hearing that because I only recently started EMDR therapy still for my miscarriages five years ago. Um, but you know, other types of, of trauma and grief too. And I used to write it off as like, oh, I don't need that. I'm fine, but it's so helpful. Um, and a big thing that I talk about on Instagram, but also that I've struggled with myself is the fact that I flushed. I, I think uh, I have multiple posts where I just put the words I flushed just to kind of like be a freeing thing of like, sadly, a lot of people do it. And it's not because they wanted to, it's because you're in shock. You don't know what else to do. You don't know that there are other options. Um, and sometimes in the heat of, of everything happening, you don't fully know what has just happened until afterwards. And I think it's just, it's a really heavy aspect of loss. Yeah. And I feel like it's like you're stuck between like the mother's perspective, like as a mother, I would, for me, I would want to have holded that baby, even though it was dead and though it was gone. Yeah. And it's like, I'm a bad mother for flushing. Uh, but on the other hand, for people that doesn't go through miscarriages, it's like, what do you mean? Of course you should flush it down. It's, it's like you're in right. between this, uh, <laughs> you're in this weird limbo um, yeah. between expectations. Absolutely. Uh, and I've seen people comment on this post as well about flushing where you have some people who are just like completely trolling the post and they're like, why would you ever flush? That was your baby. And I'm just like, that is not helpful. Do you understand how much guilt we feel on a daily basis because this has happened? Um, because it's, again, not that we wanted to, but it is. It's There's so many thoughts and opinions, but I feel like only people who have been there really, truly understand, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so. Yeah, the therapy has been helping a lot. I, I really recommend it. It's 
really good and i felt just as you did arden like i i don't think i need this i'm i'm at work i'm doing all the things um but when i have done it i have realized i'm so much freer now and so much more at peace um i didn't mention that but i have had a lot of catastrophe uh, intrusive thoughts on other things like when i'm supposed to get in the car uh, i get this thought this thought that i'm going to be in a car crash and my son will be without a mother and uh, these thoughts increased i didn't have them before um, this miscarriage but they came about a few months after and then they have increased and now they're actually seem to be gone so uh, that's a relief um, Thank you so much for, for sharing that, that there is, um, you know, growth that you're able to see and things that you've been able to heal because those thoughts, as terrible as they are, you know, sadly, they feel abnormal, but you also have that thought of like, well, so many people must deal with this, so I'm not going to deal with it right now. So I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you are doing well and, and coping with those thoughts. Yeah. Um, so after these uh, weeks when I was at home bleeding, I bled, bled a few weeks. Uh, I wanted to start trying again right away. And we did, and I didn't get pregnant for two cycles. And that was super stressful. And probably because I was also still in shock and hadn't worked through the grief and you can't get help from after two, from after two miscarriages miscarriages in Sweden and even the private clinics are declining if you ask for it uh, so I I didn't call every private clinic of course but I talked to one or two and they said that like no you should wait until the third one uh, and so I went into the third pregnancy uh, I got pregnant on Actually, on Christmas Eve, <laughs> uh, we conceived. Uh, so I tested positive in the beginning of January of 2022. And that was the third pregnancy. And I was expecting a miscarriage this time. I didn't, I wasn't expecting a baby, but you still have that hope. So uh, when I started to spot uh, a few weeks later, this was week seven uh, on, on the dot, uh, I had that sinking feeling and like, yeah, no, this is not going to happen either. And I, I was, and I called a gynecologist and asked them to bring me in and I was allowed to come in and that's not not really the case for everyone in Sweden uh, it's like miscarriages before week 12 it's like that's normal there's nothing that needs medical attention uh, only come in if you bleed heavily or if you have one-sided pain uh, but as I had had two miscarriages they agreed to see me so I went in for an ultrasound the day after and they couldn't really tell me what was going on then uh, because they could see the baby, but they couldn't see a heartbeat. But that could also be because it was early. And they also, every time they do this thing, like maybe your dates are off. And I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> um, so I went home not knowing 
much more. Um, and then I started to bleed more heavily in the evening and cramping as well. And uh, after this miscarriage, I uh, our son got sick. So he was home from preschool. He's in preschool other, otherwise. And my husband was sick as well. And he had a fever. So I was out playing with our two and a half year old in the snow and bleeding through pants after pants and just yeah no I'm a mom I'm I I can just take painkillers and push through this so I did and in hindsight that was not the best idea so but that was what I did that time and now I had had three miscarriages so I called the fertility clinic um, which is public care here and I, they didn't know when they were able to see me or when they were able to do the tests, but they sent home the lab, lab work. And I, I went to a lab and did the tests. And I think I waited about maybe one month for that, two weeks or one month. But then some of the tests can take up to three months to get response from. They didn't want to do an... Um, gynecology exam uh, a vaginal exam and so I booked that privately uh, because I wanted it checked and uh, after that we tried again even though we didn't have all the answers uh, we were waiting for one everything came back normal of course and uh, yeah we tried again I got pregnant had quite a lot of symptoms and then it was the same thing all over uh, I miscarried uh, six plus six and I did the same mistake again with just pushing through I even think I worked uh, from home but I worked and uh, not maybe the first day but from like the third day and yeah I pushed it and I shouldn't have done I I think it was part of the trauma from the second miscarriage that made me like I don't want to go into these feelings I want to keep them at bay because I can't handle all of that and the the following miscarriages reminded me so much of of that trauma and after this fourth miscarriage I started looking into other treatment options and they're not so easy to come by in Sweden. So I felt pretty strongly that it's something immunological. Um, I want to go into that. And because there are no clinics offering this in Sweden, no testing, uh, we decided to wait because my fertility clinic in the public care had this decided to give me baby aspirin and progesterone uh, for my next, next pregnancy. And then I was like, yeah, maybe that will, will be sufficient. So let's do another try. I made an appointment with a fertility dietitian. So I did some, I actually didn't do much changes to my diet because I already have like Mediterranean style diet. Um, but I added some supplements and I wouldn't have been comfortable to do that on my own, even though I, I work as a dietitian. So it was really nice to have someone else tell me what to do in that department. So I started some supplements and we waited 
I think two months, uh, mainly because I didn't want to miscarry during our summer holiday. I had quite a long summer holiday and we were supposed to, we were moving. So I didn't want it to interrupt that and postpone it. So we waited a bit longer before trying again. And then we tried again and I got pregnant right away when we tried. I, I fall pregnant easily. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, and in the summer of 2022, I, I got pregnant again, the fifth, the sixth time I was pregnant, uh, but the fifth time since we started to trying for a sibling. And I was on the progesterone and I had some symptoms. I had some nausea, but not a lot. And I, uh, I didn't know at the time that the progesterone can give you a silent miscarriage um, that it might not start bleeding because the progesterone just it keeps the body thinking that it's still pregnant. So, um, but I had some pink wiping and I had an early scan booked and two days before the early scan, I told my husband, I'm not, this is not a viable pregnancy anymore. I, I know it. I just know it. And he was like, yeah, how, how do you know it? Are, are, are the symptoms gone? And I was like, yeah, no, my boobs are still sore, but I'm, I know it. I just, I have this feeling. Um, and I think it was that the tiredness disappeared and, and just that I have had so many miscarriages that I just knew. <laughs> um, and I went in for the scan and I met this gynecologist that I actually had had the two previous miscarriages when I came in to check. Uh, so that was nice because in Sweden you can have like, it could be a new person every time. You don't have a have the same one. And uh, she confirmed that the baby wasn't... Um, yeah, she, she confirmed that she thought that it was a miscarriage, but I had to come back uh, to check again because it was early. It was week six plus five this time. So, uh, and then she said that it's best if we do, if we, if we do 10 days in between, uh, because then we can be more certain. And, but we can do it after a week if you want to. It's your, your choice. And, yeah, as I work in healthcare, I just felt like, yeah, I want to do the thing that is best medically. So I booked 10 days later. But then after a few days, I called and said, that, can you please give me an earlier appointment? Because I can't stand this waiting around. Um, and I was supposed to start working again after the holidays. And it was just, yeah, I couldn't stand it. So they had me come in. Uh, three days earlier and then they confirmed the miscarriage and I was still on the progesterone because she said keep taking the progesterone until we know for, for sure but she was the one who told me that since you're on progesterone you might not bleed out because because that prevents it so uh, I stopped the progesterone on yeah this was this was on a Friday too so I stopped the progesterone on a Friday it started bleeding lightly it didn't catch up during the weekend so I called them on Monday uh, because I 
have been really stressed in this process to get on to the next pregnancy, to just keep going and to have the success. And yeah, I guess that is my mindset in most, most things. If there's a problem, I want a solution and I want it fast. I I don't want to wait for, for it. I just want, it, want things to move forward. So I called them and I got to come in and they offered me site to take again or I, I asked for it uh, because I wanted to to have it over with. Um, and this time I was much more prepared. Um, so I had a plan for when to start taking the cytotech, uh, when to start taking the, taking the heavier painkillers. And I, um, yeah, I got home. Uh, our son had started preschool because this was the week he was supposed to go back and we were all supposed to go back to work. And, and so, so he was at preschool and I actually set the alarm at three in the morning to go up and take the first round of cytotech to have carriage early in the morning rather than in in the late afternoon so that I would be past the worst when he came home Uh, because during all my pregnancies I have felt like we have a really good uh, support network with our parents uh, but I have wanted him to be close I don't I don't want them to to have him uh, even though it might have been good for me but I have felt the need to have him close close by Uh, so I wanted to be a bit done with it when he came home so that he could come home. Um, and I I took the first round at three. I went back to bed and had the second alarm at six to do the second round. And I went up at six. I took the second round, took the first stronger pain medi- medication and went back to bed. And then about eight, uh, I felt like, yeah, maybe now something is happening. Uh, so I went to the toilet and then I did the flushing thing again. Uh, I have done that in every miscarriage uh, because I haven't realized until just now recently that I actually would have wanted something else. So, but this time I was not in a lot of pain. I had some light cramping i felt i felt like the pushing and that i felt like it's some, some something is about to come out but not much more than that and then i it was only like one round uh to the toilet and then it was like bleeding but it was not heavy so i actually thought that it hadn't worked um so the day after I called again to the office and they had me come in and by now we also had COVID <laughs> so uh but they actually brought me in anyway but I got to see a, a different doctor and she was extremely it was a really weird appointment she asked a lot of questions about the covid and she made a lot of comments about the planning and why i was there and i just eventually i told her i i i can go home i'm not the one who have decided this this is another doctor's decision so i i i don't need to be here uh, if that's inconvenient for you. And then she was like, oh, no, I didn't mean anything by it. So it was a really weird appointment. And 
also she said like oh so you're in pain and I was like no I'm not in pain I don't think the cytotec have worked and she hadn't read up on my journal she didn't know I had had several miscarriages so she was a bit nonchalant and this really pisses me off because my second miscarriage was extremely traumatic if that had been my first that would have been extremely traumatic even though it was my first so yeah, she was really nonchalant uh, and we went into the exam room and she started the examination and I made some comment like, yeah, this is like the fifth time or something like that. And it was like turning a switch and she turned in that to this completely other person, person really compassionate. And I was a bit disgusted by it because I felt like, yeah, this is not, this is not okay. I had the same feeling coming in here no matter how many miscarriages I have had previous. So, but at this time I was, I wasn't as panicky as I had been the, the earlier miscarriages. I was more calm and like resigned to that it had happened again. So, um, and then I heard afterwards from a friend that works in the unit that this doctor is always clumsy and, messing up but yeah I I hope other women get some one of the other doctors that are are nicer because it was not a nice experience um and after this miscarriage we started immunological testing uh I did a lot of exams privately and since the healthcare system in Sweden is it's really good if you get cancer you get everything it's, it doesn't cost anything. Uh, it's really, uh, it's really good healthcare system, but miscarriage treatment is not a prioritized area. And Sweden also work a lot with evidence-based practices, and there are not a lot of studies in the miscarriage area, which makes it really hard to have any evidence at all. So uh, they. The progesterone and the baby aspirin that they gave me, it was like, yeah, we give it to you, but it, it's we don't know if it's working. It's like off, a bit off the record. It's, it's like, yeah, like that. So um, so we, we did the immunological testing via a clinic in Greece. And instead of going to Greece and doing all the tests there, we tracked down a private doctor that could order the lab tests here in Sweden. I went to three different labs one day and I had to drive four hours. And stupidly, I didn't do it with my husband. I went alone and I was so exhausted. And they sent me from one lab to another because some of the tests had to be in a specific lab. And then I had to get four vials of blood that I was supposed to send to another lab uh, in uh, Chicago. So I regret that we didn't go to Greece and had them do everything for us. But we did all the testing and uh, I drove to the airport to FedEx these vials of blood. And then I drove home and I did all this in one day. So I actually had to call in sick the day after because I was so exhausted. Um, and then I did I did a hysteroscopy uh, and paid for it privately. Um, and I did microbiota testing uh, as well, uh, checking for 
bad bacteria and chronic endometritis. And then I had an appointment with the doctor at the public health, public care uh, fertility clinic, because they were going to do uh, some kind of flush of my ovaries. But then I had already done the hysteroscopy and he was like, yeah, that's the golden standard. We don't have to do this investigation. And I think he felt really bad because I had to go one and a half hour to see him as well. And I think he felt really bad about not being able to give me anything or help me in any way. So he actually, we talked a bit and he actually said that, but the symptoms that you're describing now, this could be endometriosis or adenomyosis. So he sent me for an MRI um, and it turns out I have adenomyosis. So that could be part of the miscarriages. Um, and well, the immunological testing came back in, I think this was November. So it was a long wait from September to November with no tries. And I, yeah, it was hard to wait. and. I was on 50% sick leave because I had tension headache. I uh, was really stressed uh, and it was just all too much. Um, and then the testing came back and it showed that my immune system is overactive. And this, I have learned this um, later on uh, that it's probably because of my adenomyosis that it is because that creates an inflammatory process and activates the immune system. So um, then we did another try uh, to get pregnant in December and I got pregnant and we started the immune protocol uh, with that pregnancy. I didn't have any symptoms at all this pregnancy and I miscarried in week five, which is the earliest miscarriage I have had. And I was really upset because I really believed in this treatment and um, what was nice was that I I had contact via email sending uh, lab tests to my doctor in Greece and at once when he received my email that I miscarried he called me it was I think it was 10 minutes 10 minutes after and he called me and he asked me to get the tissue tested and I was like yeah no I there's no way to do that in Sweden they're only uh, like special cases and I don't think you can do it privately either so I didn't have a chance to do that and I feel like I would have wanted that for all my miscarriages actually to know is there is the embryos healthy is it because something else like the immune system or is it also the embryos but his thesis was that this embryo wasn't healthy because I miscarried it because I miscarried it earlier so um I messed up the timeline a bit about the adenomyosis here because actually I did the MRI after this sixth miscarriage. And um, then when I found out I had adenomyosis, I didn't want to try again right away. Uh, and I was reading up on it and I wanted to do this down regulation that you can do before IVF. Um, 
And I guess this is also part of the story. You don't do IVF because of miscarriages in Sweden, because PGTA testing, which would be something you would want, is not allowed. It's not legal. Uh, so you can't do it in Sweden. Uh, so you have to go abroad. And that is also a reason why we have postponed that option. Also because of the cost that we don't have any insurance that will cover it. and. Uh, but mainly because it's a lot of travel um, abroad. But I put in a Myrina spiral, actually. So I have that one now. And we went to an IVF clinic in Sweden because I wanted to discuss the possibility of being downregulated. And uh, I... I had a good impression of the doctor. I felt that she was very competent and she didn't want to do that. She thought that the immune treatment would be uh, beneficial. And it turned out at that visit that they do immune treatment. They don't do the testing, but they treat with those medications. So I could have had that easier <laughs> earlier, but not with the same uh, customized protocol. Uh, but yeah, so, and we were also, also discussing embryo banking at this meeting because I have always wanted three children and I'm 33 now and I'm thinking about the egg quality. How will that be when we will try for another sibling later on? So we were also discussing that. Um, and then she said that, well, you should do DNA fragmentation testing before you do that. And maybe we should do that anyway. Uh, I don't think there will be anything because my husband is also healthy, non-smoker, no risk factors. Um, and we decided to do that. And the doctor, when she called, she was astonished because it came back with a positive fragmentation. So that was the only thing we didn't test. And I'm a bit upset about it because I had been looking into it about a year ago, uh, all the testing that you can do. And the Greek Greece doctor didn't think it was necessary because we had one healthy child and he was like, yeah, no, I don't think that is that is just a waste of your money. Uh, so we, we followed that recommendation. Uh, but now we have had it tested and now my husband are on some... Uh, supplements uh, to help with the fragmentation and I'm on the Marina to keep the inflammation down and uh, yeah the doctor didn't want to down regulate me uh, now because she wanted me to do another try with the immune treatment first uh, so I have agreed to do that because she was like yeah you will feel so bad on the down regulation and yeah uh, so now we're in the waiting game again. Um, it sucks to be in a waiting game after all of this, what feels like constant waiting, you know, waiting for information, waiting to have a miscarriage, you know, waiting to try again and then mm. finally get answers and have to wait some more. That's hard. Yeah, it's been a lot of waiting. Our patients have been tested. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so that's where we are now. And as I said earlier, during this spring, I have been working with a psychologist and that's been amazing 
and actually it's been good to have that break to be able to focus because we did try to get pregnant right after the sixth miscarriage before I knew that I had adenomyosis and that one didn't take. And during those two weeks, I was unable to concentrate during the EMDR sessions. I was just uh, in the anxiety of, am I pregnant or not? Am I going to miscarry again soon? What's going to happen? So it's for my mental health, it's been actually been good. This break has been good because I have used it um, to work on my mental health. Um, but now I'm starting to get a bit nervous about trying again. Uh, so, yeah, but it's, it's uh, some time left. So I I've seen sadly more times than I, I, well, I mean, I think it's, it shocked me at first, but I've seen it so often. Um, I've met people who have like a genetic something come back on that testing of, of something with their DNA. Um, usually how it mixes with their partner. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, translocations where it's it's they have the translocation and they have a living child who is like unaffected by that at all and just had a seamlessly easygoing pregnancy and then experienced loss after and I I find that to be so fascinating because I don't really understand how that works you know especially whenever you're you're given a diagnosis like that but then you've had so much loss you're just I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one of the hardest things is that to find support and to feel, I have felt really alone. Uh, And I think part of that is because there is no protocol in society on what to do when someone miscarriage in difference from when someone's dying. Um, Because the grief I have felt have been much heavier than any grief I have felt previous. Um, I haven't lost any immediate family, but I was really close to my grandma. So I was grieving a lot when I lost her, but nothing like this. Um, And I have felt pretty alone in this and that I feel like people around me are expecting me to come back to normal life and be my normal self and I'm yeah I am my normal self but I'm a new version Um, exactly and I felt that during the first miscarriage I only told this friend that had had miscarriages but then I told my other closer friends as well and after my maybe the second and third I felt I really supported by them, but then I have felt like this decline because it's like it's happening again and again. It's like it's getting normalized and I I don't blame them for it because they haven't been in this situation. And I know because I was pregnant with my first child when my friend had three miscarriages and I have told her afterwards, I can't believe uh, how bad this has must have been for you how how hard it must have been uh and i am sorry that i didn't support you more because i know now that you probably needed much more uh, from me so i don't blame them for for failing (laughs) i don't want to call it failing but for not giving me all that i need (laughs) 
yeah. so uh because i they can't possibly understand um and that's yeah. hard it's hard that people don't understand it's hard that they don't it's hard that family doesn't understand uh how valuable it would have been to have some help with practical things like cooking and all that stuff and I haven't asked for it I am raised to be strong on my own so I haven't asked for it and I they haven't understood uh, so that's I think that's the hardest part about all of this is the loneliness and feeling feeling alone um, and for a while, it's made me draw back from social interaction and I didn't respond to other conversations in our chat groups. And I was, yeah, I was distancing myself and that made it worse even. So I have been working on that too, to engage more um, yeah. in other parts for my own sake. Um, Which is hard to do. Um it's also hard you mentioned like people wondering when you're going to return to your normal self and it's like this is the new you and it's kind of against your will you didn't choose to change you didn't choose to go through uh, multiple losses and very traumatic experiences and so I think there's a period where you also have to get to know yourself after loss and like love yourself again because you do kind of lose that love for yourself too when you're repeatedly having miscarriages um I know that I used to word it as I felt like I was the girl who cried pregnancy like I was tired of telling my friends yeah I'm pregnant nope I'm miscarrying oh wait I'm pregnant yeah. you know and yeah having recurrent pregnancy loss for me while it it was not near the timeline that you had and so I imagine it's heightened of like feeling like I just was constantly giving good news that was followed by bad news. And I took that on as like, I'm causing all of this confusion in my loved one's mm. lives. Um, and so it definitely made me kind of keep to myself. Yeah. And I think also it's been hard because I didn't deal with the second miscarriage. I didn't deal with that loss. That was, it was so so hard uh, and I couldn't talk about it I couldn't think about it I wouldn't allow myself to think about it I couldn't handle it when the th thoughts were popping up when this image came before my eyes I just distracted myself uh, so I think that made it harder because it made me feel so 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 bad and so 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 lonely um because i felt like i was the only only one in the world that had experienced this and also i know that's not true because i have been listening to a lot of your podcast and I it's been really helpful yeah <laughs> it's been really helpful and yeah yeah but it's not the same as when you talk to someone and they confirm your feelings and yeah so yeah well and you from the podcast you know people will listen and they get the validation of like hearing other people's stories but I do think that there's something about like even though we are not face to face but I'm sitting here telling you <laughs> you know trying to validate 
the things that you've struggled with too, or even you sharing your story, knowing that somebody else will be in that position that you were in as a listener. Um, Because you're definitely not alone, but it feels like you're alone because in your immediate circle, you you very much are. Um, And so it's it's hard not to see the outside world and how many people, um, you know, have those shared experiences. Yeah, yeah. And then it's been because I'm in that age where people start their families. And so I have had four of my closest friends uh, getting pregnant and giving birth during these two years. Um, that's been hard. Painful. <laughs> uh, mostly the hardest thing is the pregnancy announcement. That is the toughest one. And I have asked them to do it via text. I... Uh, because I need to react on my own and then I can respond. Um, Hey, we love a boundary here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I have felt that has been a really important one for me. Uh, And yeah. yeah. But now that they have had their babies it's not it's not as hard uh it's something about pregnancy announcement that is making me angry Mm. uh and i think also this is like this loss of this joy that you feel the first time you test positive for pregnancy i have felt this unimaginable joy that's just expanding and I have been like bouncing uh, around uh, in happiness both the first time and that was a successful pregnancy, but also the second time. Uh, and I will, I will not have that experience ever again. Um, and I, that's a loss too. Uh, among other, other things you lose. Um, and also carefree pregnancy. and Yeah. The list is is very long uh, yeah. of losses. Yeah. It's not just, and I think if people who hadn't experienced loss understood that it's not just about losing a baby, which even if it was, that's still enough to, you know, feel despair and to be broken. But it's also so many other losses and some of them you don't realize until you pass a milestone or until you see a pregnant person on the street that looks about the size you should be. And, you mm. know, there's so many things that come up. Yeah. Yeah. And I have struggled with, I wanted my kids fairly close and I really struggled with that. And just today, a colleague came in high pregnancy uh, with her, I guess her daughter was about, might have been two years old. Mm. And that was my, that was the what, what I viewed when I had my yeah. first child. Uh, and that really brings that longing uh, up to the surface and I can't have that so (laughs) that is something that is hard to but it's easier now I had struggled more with it earlier in this madness (laughs) yeah so yeah well Lean, thank you so much for being here and for sharing I'm so glad that you reached out and that you were open to sharing your story um, I think it's it's helpful to hear, you know, stories from other countries, but also just the different experiences, even if somebody has had the amount of loss that you've had, you know, knowing the differences is is helpful. And so 
I appreciate your voice so much. Thank you for letting me come and share my story. Anytime.